Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Because if I ever heard the Lord speak to me, I did hear him speak to me to preach verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept through the book of 1 Peter. And we have found to this point that the book of 1 Peter is a book about hope. But the more I read this book and the more I study this book, it's not just about hope. It's about holiness. Now, listen, I know that's a message that a lot of people think is not relevant for the church today. But I'm telling you, God is cleaning up his church. Did you just hear what I said? God is cleaning up his church. And when I say cleaning up his church, I don't mean between services we're coming through here and disinfecting and (laughs) scrubbing things down. I mean, he's cleaning up his people. And, And you and I need to position ourselves in such a way that God can do his work of holiness in us. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit is called Holy Spirit. It's not just so there can be a release of gifts in your life. The primary work of the Holy Spirit is to make you holy. That's why he's called Holy Spirit. He's a spirit of holiness. He is a spirit that once he lives on the inside of us, he begins to work to make us more and more like Jesus. Oh, I want to be more and more like Jesus. I hunger, I thirst, I yearn for more of God, more of his word. And yes, I have a hunger for holiness. Here's here's what I want to talk to you about today. A lot of times you hear people ask a question of identity that goes something like this. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Well, today, the question I want to ask is, do you know who we are? are. And when I say we, I mean the church. Do you know who we are? Because I don't think sometimes we really know as individual believers who we are corporately, who God has called us to be and who God has chosen us to be. Now, before we get into the text this morning of second Peter chapter two, beginning at verse four, I want to just remind you of a couple of things that Peter experienced in his life that had great influence upon the words that we're going to look at today that he wrote in 2 Peter chapter 2. Because in 2 Peter chapter 2, and really throughout the whole book, or in 1 Peter chapter 2, in that whole book of 1 Peter, Peter's writing from experience. Pretty much everything he wrote, he experienced himself. And knew to be true. He had learned by being a follower of Jesus Christ. But let me take you back to the first time that Peter met Jesus. It was Peter's brother Andrew who introduced Peter to Jesus. Andrew was an evangelist. And the first place he started to introduce people to Jesus was his brother Peter. And and look at that first encounter that Peter had with Jesus. It says that Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. Now your Bible may say Simon Barjonas. Barjonas just simply means son of John. 
And he said that, that you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. See, Jesus saw something in Peter that no one else could see. He saw a potential in Peter that Peter could become something more than what he was. And he said this, he said, you are Simon, but you shall be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And the word Cephas or Peter means a rock or a stone. That Peter would eventually become a rock, a stone, and God would use him to build the church. You're going to see how here in just a moment when we get into that passage we're going to look at today. But now let me, let me show you another experience that Peter has with Jesus. And this is important so that you can understand his language in 1 Peter chapter 2. But the next encounter we're going to look at is when Jesus is with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. And he looks at them and he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And some of his disciples spoke up and said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus looked at him and said, well, who do you say? I want to know, I'm not worried about what everybody else is saying about me. I want to know from my disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter perhaps has his best moment when he looks at Jesus and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is how Jesus responded to him. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. This is a spiritual revelation, Peter, that you have received. And I'm so proud of you because you did not receive this revelation in your old nature as Simon, son of John. You received this revelation as a part of your new nature. And so that's why he says to him, and I tell you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it or prevail against it. Notice, Jesus looks at Peter and he says to Peter, Peter, I'm proud of you. I knew the first time I met you that you were going to amount to something. I knew the first time I met you that you had potential. And he said, and now I see you not as Simon, son of Jonah or John, but he said, you are Peter. You're that rock I knew you could be. You are that stone. You are that pebble that I saw in you all along. And he said, just as you, and, and just as it's real that you are Simon, the son of Jonah, it's just as real that I am the son of the living God. And then he said, upon this rock, now listen, he's not saying upon Peter. Peter would be one of the stones that Jesus would fit into the building of his church, but he was not the stone. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What's the rock that he's referring to there? Well, Peter had just said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me tell you who the foundation of the church is. It's not Peter or the disciples. They might be a part of the building, but Jesus is the foundation stone upon which the church is being built and has been built. 
Amen? And when we think about Jesus as the foundation stone, we remember that he is the word of God. Because John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So to say that He is the foundation is to say that the Word of God is the foundation upon which you and I are to build our lives. Did you just hear me? That He is to be the foundation upon which we build. His Word is to be the foundation upon which we build our lives. And when our lives have been built on the rock, when our lives have been built on Christ and the word of God, like the scripture says, storms can come and winds can blow, but those who have heard and obeyed the word of God, the Bible says, are like those who built their life on a rock and the storms can come, the winds can blow, the waters can rise, but you know what? We'll still be standing when the crisis is over. We'll still be standing when the tough season has already passed us by. Why? Because on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So you gotta keep that in mind because that same guy, Peter, is the one who writes these words that we're about to read. And notice what he says here in verse four of 1 Peter 2. He said, as you come to him, talking about Jesus and us coming to him, and not necessarily here coming to him for salvation, but coming to him with the intent of remaining in him that we might have continual fellowship with him. John would have said it like this. John would have said that it's abiding in Christ, abiding in the vine. But Peter says, as you come to him, to remain in him, to draw strength from him, to enjoy fellowship with him. And then he identifies who he is. He said, as you come to him, the living stone. Notice, not a living stone, the living stone. And let me tell you primarily the reason why he is a living stone. Anybody ever seen a living stone? There's no such thing as a living stone, is there? So he's using a metaphor here because a stone represents trustworthiness. A stone represents strength. A, 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 a stone represents a, a firm foundation. And he said this about Jesus. He said he's not just a stone. He is a living stone. And let me tell you why he's a living stone. Because he's not dead. He's alive. He rose again. How many of you know that Jesus is alive today? Now let me just throw another question out there. How many of you are living like he's alive today? And you're living like he could come back before we get out of this service this morning. But notice he said, as you come to him, the living stone. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It is his spirit, his Holy Spirit that gives life to our mortal beings. So he is a living stone. And then it goes on to say he was rejected by humans. You remember when Jesus came, announced himself as Messiah, that there were many who rejected him as Messiah. But notice it says that even though he was rejected by humans, Isaiah chapter 53 says it like this, that he was, he was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. The Bible says that when he came to his own, his own received him not. 
So he was rejected by humans. But even though he was rejected by humans, look at this, he was chosen by God. Hallelujah. I just feel like I need to apply that to somebody in this room here today that feels like you've been rejected by people. That people have not accepted you for who you are and who God has called you to be. Listen, you might be rejected by people, but you're chosen by God. And that's all that matters. And it says here about the living stone that he was rejected. And I'll talk more about that word here in just a moment. That he was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. God's son was precious to him. And God's son was highly esteemed to him. And so Peter reminds us that when we come to him, the living stone, that he was rejected by humans, but he was chosen by God and precious to him. And then he says, because of that, here's what you need to understand. You also, like living stones, look at that person beside you and say, listen, you're a living stone. We're not dead stones. Listen to me this morning. We are not dead stones. Sometimes I wonder when we come together as the body of Christ, are we dead or are we alive? Because if we are living stones, we worship like we're alive. We listen like we're alive. We obey like we are alive. Somebody help me here this morning. I know I'm going down a tough path right now. That's all right. And let me tell you why we're living stones, because the life of God is on the inside of us. We read about it last week in 1 Peter chapter 1, that God has put his seed on the inside of us. God's life is on the inside of us. And because he lives, because his spirit lives on the inside of us, we are not dead stones any longer. We are living stones. And then he says this, he said, you also like living stones are being built. So here's what God is doing. God is taking our lives, living stones, just like a builder would take natural physical stones, and God is building something with these stones. And notice what he's building. He's building a spiritual house, not a natural physical house. See, men can come in and build this, but only God can build a spiritual house house and here's what he uses to build his spiritual house he uses living stones now now this is important because the bible doesn't say that he's using bricks to build his church or to build a spiritual house because what god is after is not uniformity where every brick looks the same but what god can do is God can take different, unique, shaped stones and only he can fit them together perfectly to build for himself a spiritual house. Now, you got to know that. It's not a physical house. That's why I don't understand people that say, well, I just couldn't have church, you know, as long as the building was shut down. Listen, the building is not the church. The building is just the place where the spiritual house comes together to meet. And we don't have to have a building for the spiritual house to get together. We can get together on the football field. We can get together under a tent. We can get together under a brush harbor. 
As long as we are the people of God and we are lively stones, wherever we come together, that is a spiritual house that can be inhabited by the presence and the power and the glory of Almighty God. So only God can take stones like this that are different in shape, different in size, the old, the young, the rich, the poor, the red, the yellow, the black, the white. Because it's not uniformity. God can take each and every one of us in our uniqueness. And God can fit these stones together. He's the only one who has the ability to do that. But he can fit these stones together. That, that, that even though the stones are all different, we come together in unity. When all the stones are fitted together, we look like we are one, that we are all on the same page, that we are all connected to the living stone who is Jesus Christ, and we're all a part of the same spiritual temple. Only God can build something like that, and that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can shut down the but the church is going to survive and thrive no matter what kind of season we're going through. Oh my goodness. He said, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a spiritual priesthood, a holy priesthood. Now you gotta go back to the Old Testament. Because what Peter's given us an image of here is in the Old Testament, there was a temple. In the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle. And it was in that tabernacle where the glory of God and the presence of God would dwell. And they had all different kinds of utensils and pieces of furniture in the temple or in the tabernacle. And every one of those pieces of furniture and utensils were holy. They had been anointed and appointed as holy because they were all to be used only for the purpose of God. And if you used it for anything other than the purpose of God, then you would experience the wrath of God. And then also in the temple, you had priests. Not just anybody could be a priest in the Old Testament. You had to be from the lineage of Aaron in order to be a priest in the Old Testament. But notice what Peter says. He says that what God wanted to do through Israel, but Israel rejected him, God is now doing it through the church, which is made up of Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female. We're all a part of this spiritual house that God is building, <clears throat> this spiritual temple, this spiritual tabernacle that God is building. And, and listen, and do you know what he says that he wants us to be? He wants us to be a holy priesthood. In the Old Testament, they had a priesthood. Now get this, this is so important. In the Old Testament, they had a priesthood. In the New Testament, we are a priesthood. Because every single believer, you don't have to come from the lineage of Aaron. Every single believer who is in Christ is now a priest before God. You say, well, why is that important? Because in the Old Testament, the priest would do two things. Number one, the priest had access to God. 
Woo! He had access to God. And he's the only one who had access to God. He could go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement and he would offer a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. And you would have to go through a human being here on earth in order to get to God. But listen to me, that's not the case anymore. Every single one of us in this spiritual house that God is building, we are priests. Do you know what that means? We all have access to God. I don't have to go through a man on this earth to get to God. Listen to me, my Catholic friends. You do not have to go through a priest on this earth in order to touch heaven. No, you are a priest to God and the only mediator you need is your high priest who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can come to God the Father anytime you want through Christ Jesus, his son. But not only did they have access and you have access, they were also the one who would bring offerings to the Lord, offer up offerings to God. And so notice what he said. He said, not only is God building a spiritual house in which you are a holy priesthood, and let's not forget what holy means. Just like in the Old Testament, priests were anointed and their life was to be used only in service to God. You and I are a holy priesthood. We belong to God. You remember what 1 Peter chapter 1 says. You were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You do not belong to yourself. God owns us that have put our faith and our trust in him because he paid the price to purchase us. We are a holy priesthood. Our lives, as Paul said, we are to present our bodies, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it just makes sense for you to give your life to God since he gave your life, his life for you. After all that God has done for us, after all that God has made sure that you and I can receive as a result of a relationship, after all that he's done, for us it's just reasonable that we would give ourselves back to him I hear people say this is my body I can do with my body what I want no not as a child of God your body belongs to God do you hear me and your body is to be used to bring glory and honor to God, not dishonor to God. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amen in me this morning. He said, you are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. You're a holy priesthood. You're different. You're set apart. Offering spiritual sacrifices. You see, as priests we still offer sacrifice. But not like in the Old Testament, not animal sacrifices. So don't come in here with your chickens. <laughs> don't come in here with your goats and your sheep. No, 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 no. Not animal sacrifices. Not physical. Spiritual sacrifice. You see, even when you give your body as a living sacrifice to God, even though it's your physical body, it's a spiritual offering that you're bringing and giving to God. 
Every time you serve God, no matter what you do, whether it's here in this house, whether it's at home as a husband or as a wife, whether it's on your job, you see, what we've got to understand is when he said we're a holy priesthood, he doesn't mean that we're a priest just when we come to church. No, 24-7, every day of our lives, we are priests and we are to live our lives as priests. Offering spiritual sacrifices. That means everything that I do, I must do it to the glory and I must do it to the honor of God because if I don't do it for that purpose, then it's not acceptable to God. That's what he said. Acceptable to God through Jesus. You do it for his glory. You do it for his honor. And then he goes on and he says this. Man, this scripture is so full of truth. He said, for in scripture... It says, I like a man who preaches from the word of God. And that's what Peter would do. He would reach back into the Old Testament. And can I tell you that the Old Testament is, is as inspired as the New Testament. Don't you let anybody tell you that the Old Testament just isn't relevant for this day and time in which we live. Yes, it is. And Peter reaches back to a few passages of scripture in the Old Testament to let us know that Christ is the fulfillment of those prophetic scriptures. And here's what he said. He said, for in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him, speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, will never be put to death or put to shame. Now, now where did he get that from? He got it from Isaiah 28, 16. That's where the prophetic word was given. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for what? A sure foundation. And the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Do you hear what the word of the Lord is saying? That when you and I, when we build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we build our lives on the word of God, it doesn't matter what kind of crisis we're in. It doesn't matter what kind of season we may be going through. We will never be stricken with panic. Why? Because as I said earlier, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. A rock represents trustworthiness. A rock represents faithfulness. A rock represents a safe place and a refuge. And he says that when you make him your foundation, then the one who relies on him will never be stricken with panic see that's why that's why you've got to be building your life on Christ that's why you've got to be building your life on the word of God that's why you've got to be building your marriage on the word of God that's why you've got to be building your company on the word of God because even when we go through a season like what we've been in right now when we come out of it you will still be standing strong because God will never let his children be put to shame oh somebody give the Lord a good praise in this room hallelujah but then notice what he says. He says, to you who believe, this stone is precious. I see a lot of believers in this room here today. And to those who believe, Christ is precious. He is precious to us. He is valuable to us. No one could take his place. No one could do for us what he does. But then notice what he says. But to those who do not believe, 
The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Here's what he's talking about. I told you I'd come back to the word rejected. Because when a builder was building a building, they would take a stone and they would examine the stone. And then they would decide whether or not they would approve the stone to be used in their building. And what Peter is saying is that when Jesus came announcing himself to be the Messiah, that he came to his own and his own rejected him. Now, can you imagine that? God leaves heaven. He comes here to this earth. He lives a perfect, sinless life as a human being. He dies on the cross for the sins of the world. He even said that if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And what did those that he came to do? They examined him, and then they disapproved of him. They rejected him. And they threw that stone in the trash because they said, we can't build our lives on that. We can't build anything with that. And do you know that people are still doing that today? They examine him and then they disapprove of him. Because let's, let's face it this morning, church, his standard's pretty high. And there's no way that we could ever live up to his standard of holiness and righteousness and godliness. There's no way that we could ever live up to that without the help of the Holy Spirit. But some people, when they come to Christ, that's why he said, when you come to me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross and follow me. Some people, when they examine him and what's required of them, they disapprove. And they throw it away. But I want you to notice, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Because he said, those of you that rejected him, those of, those of you that refused to put your faith and your trust in him who is the Messiah, he said, yes, you crucified him, you rejected him, you put him in a grave. You rejected him, but he has become the cornerstone. You may have rejected him, but God accepted him. And God exalted him. God raised him up from the dead. He's ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, ever making intercession for those who will call upon him. Yes, you may have rejected him, but God doesn't reject him. God exalted him because God saw him as precious, precious for who he is, precious for what he can do in a person's life. And then he goes on and he says this, he's a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Here's what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is either the best thing that ever happened to you or he's the worst thing that ever happened to you. Because if you believe in him and you put your faith and you trust in him, he's precious to you. And he does for you what no one else can. He gives you eternal life. But if you reject him, you are caused to stumble. He brings you down in judgment. And he's saying this to them. They were not destined to disobey. What they were destined for was they would suffer the consequences of their disobedience. Just like every one of us. And he says, 
They stumble because they disobey the message, which also what they were destined for. He said this, but he said, and, and he, he draws this from Isaiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 13. He says, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. This is another passage in the Old Testament that, that Christ fulfilled. He said, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Now, what he's saying here is, is that there were people in Israel trying to put the pressure on Isaiah to join alliance with ungodly nations so that they would be safe, so that they would be protected. But Isaiah's trust and his faith was not in other nations. His faith and his trust was in God. They wanted to do the popular thing. Isaiah was going to do the right thing. And notice it says, but the Lord of hosts, he's the one that we've got to honor as holy. He's the one that we're to fear and to dread. And then you notice what he says. He says, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, that is Jerusalem and Judea, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Because here's what he's saying. He's saying that Christ will be one of two things to you. One, if you believe and you accept him, he will be a sanctuary to you. He will be a safe place where you can run, where you can take shelter in him. But if you reject him, he becomes that rock of offense, that rock of stumbling. That's what happens to those who refuse to believe. But notice what Peter says next in this passage. He says, but you, those of you who do believe, he said, you need to know who we are as the church of the living God. He said, for those who believe, for those who have accepted him he said you are a chosen people oh look at your neighbor and say God chose you he chose you out of the willingness and the love we didn't deserve to be chosen by him but he chose us because of his grace he chose us because of his mercy notice he said you are a chosen people and then he says you are we are a royal priesthood now before he said we're a holy priesthood but now he says we're a royal priesthood why because we don't just have access to God and we don't just offer spiritual sacrifices to him but we are made to rule and we are made to reign hallelujah we are a part of a kingdom of which Jesus Christ is the king and we may rule and reign in part here on this earth but when Jesus Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom. Every one of us living stones, we're going to rule and we're going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all of his kingdom. Oh, somebody shout to the Lord this morning. This is good news. He said, you are, we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. And then he says, we're a holy nation. Holy, different holy, separated for the intended purposes of God. Listen to me, Summerton Church of God. This was something that Jesus, that, that, that Father God tried to teach the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and they just didn't get it. Listen to me this morning. There is a difference between holy and unholy. There is a difference between clean and unclean. And if we are not careful we have torn down the wall between the holy and the unholy to where the church, and when I say the church, I'm talking about those lively stones that God is using to build a spiritual house. That if we are not careful, you cannot tell a difference between the church and the world. I know I'm preaching a little heavy this morning, but I'm telling you, this is the truth of God's word. 
And we need to understand this morning, as the church of the living God, as a spiritual house, not a natural physical house, but as a spiritual house, we are a holy nation. We live differently than the world lives. We are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. So we live according to heaven's laws and we live according to heaven's principles and we live according to the principles of God's word. That means there's just some things we don't do that the world does because we're different. There's just some places we don't go because we are different than the world. There's just some ways we don't dress. Yes, I'm going there because we are different from the world. We are a holy, holy, holy nation. And our God is a holy God. I'm not talking about our nation, the United States of America. I'm talking about the nation, the church, the spiritual, lively stones of God. We are to be different. The world should be able to look at us and see there's something different about them, different in their values, different in their ethics, different in their morals, different in the way they talk, different in the way that they live. We are a holy nation. Oh, somebody just... I'm almost done. We're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. And I love this. This is my favorite of all the privileges. We are God's special possession. And Tanya, go ahead and help me here. We're God's special possession. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You're his possession. And can I tell you, you're not valuable because of who you are. You're valuable because of who you belong to. I read an article a few days ago. They were auctioning off one of Elvis Presley's old guitars. You know what? There's probably some kids in this room right now that don't even know who Elvis Presley is. Oh, I feel sorry for you. Look him up. Google him. They were auctioning off one of his guitars. If I owned this guitar, the value would have been about $1,400. That's what you could pretty much go into a store and buy this particular guitar for. You could buy it for about $1,400. But this guitar, the thing that made it different and unique was who possessed it, who owned it. It belonged to Elvis Presley. And so instead of selling for $1,400, it sold for $334,000. What made it that valuable? The owner, the one who possessed it. We belong to God. I can't tell you how valuable you are this morning as a child of God. It's who you belong to that makes you so precious. It's who you belong to that makes you so valuable. And then he goes on and he says, with all of these privileges come this responsibility. You are all of that so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Because when we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, when we're living like that, then people who don't know the Lord will be able to see God in us. They'll be able to see his love, his grace, his mercy, his holiness. And we declare his excellencies through the life that we lead because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So basically what he's saying is what I say to you every Sunday, be light that others may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But he says one more thing. He says before, he said you were not a people. Let's face it. Israel was the chosen nation. Gentiles were not necessarily a people. Gentiles as any of us who are not of Jewish descent. But he said once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Does that not encourage somebody here this morning? Once we were nothing. Once we had no value. Once we were not precious, but now. And I love that phrase all throughout Scripture. But now. But now, but now, you are, we are the people of God. Once, we didn't have mercy. But now, because of Jesus, we have mercy. And mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. We deserve to be judged. We deserve to die for our sins. But instead, God gives us grace. He gives us what we don't deserve, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to build my life on Christ. What about you? Are you building your life on Christ? Because I'm telling you, I've examined him, and he is the only firm, sure foundation on which we're to build our lives. Would you stand with me this morning? And can I say this? This spiritual house that God is building, all of us people, lively stones that God is fitting together, this place built on Christ, built on the Word of God. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.